Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. We're back from our hiatus. It's been eh, about a month since we've gotten on the mic to talk about the Chicago Bulls. And of course, coming off the heels of the draft lottery, the Chicago Bulls don't keep their pick. They stayed in the spot where they were projected, number 11, and the pick conveys to the Orlando Magic. The debt of the Nikola Vucevic trade, Drew, is uh, is finally paid off, I guess. It is, and and now the, the, the real work begins, man. And I think that uh, with it with it being with it seeming like I guess it's, it's not a whole lot of options here at the at the hand of the front office. It's going to be very interesting to see what they can come up with. How creative can they get um, moving forward with not a not a lot of draft capital not a lot of pieces that they can afford to move and still be competitive. So they have unwittingly backed themselves into a corner ever since that summer, two years ago, um, when they made these moves and kind of revamped the roster. Um, And now they find themselves in a position where they're really just between a rock and a hard place, man. Seemingly, I don't, I don't know. Maybe they got some tricks up their sleeves. We don't know. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you never, you never know with Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley because right when you think they're about to do something, they kind of swerve in a different direction. It's, it's like when they made that Nikola Vucevic trade. It was like, oh wow, they're they're really trying to make moves here, and it was sort of a surprise. And of course, the summer twenty twenty one was kind of a surprise, and. Then all the inactivity, I think, was a surprise. So they've always kind of thrown us for a swerve. And I think it's it's weird that we're sitting here about two years later after the massive moves from the, the summer of 2021. And this team, I mean, they don't have a lot of equity left with the fan base. Uh, I think there's it's very clear that it's, there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of displeased Bulls fans. And Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley are going to have to prove themselves again. It's that simple. They're going to have to prove themselves again. And, you know, before we get into just the creativity that you brought up, because that's been the narrative today as we, we sit here on May 17th, day after the lottery, there's been plenty of talk of, like, what are the Bulls going to do to to salvage this situation of, of you know, not having a lottery ball bounce their way, which if you're relying on that, you got a lot of problems. Um, but you were there. You were at the draft lottery for It's the Bigs. Um, I don't know. I just, you talked about in the last podcast uh, that we did last month about the experience uh, covering some games. How was like being there at the actual NBA draft lottery last night? Like just, yeah, t- tell us about that. Like, how did it feel? I think it was it was like a continuation of being at Bulls games from the regular season on steroids because you're amongst like more national media. Um, you know, I'm, I'm watching Monica McNutt and Malika Andrews and Adrian Wojnarowski and Richard Jefferson as they're, you know, doing their TV hits. Um, I met Fred Katz, David Aldridge. Um, uh, a lot of other people, man. Um, Chris Mannix of SI. Like, you, you just see these guys, you know, and they're walking around with their media credentials and you're trying to match the name and see, oh, I think I know who that is. Oh, that is him. Um, so from that point of view, it was just a continuation of, like I said, being at home games for these for the Bulls. And then just the anticipation and the excitement that was in the building, not just from the people who are representing each team, but even from the media members, you know, even if you just had that, like the Bulls, the the smallest glimmer of hope that you could nab the number one pick or the second, third or fourth picks, it was just the, man, what's going to happen? You know, um, kind of feeling that swirled around McCormick place the, the whole evening until obviously the um, picks were revealed, but it was, it was awesome, man. It was awesome. Um. Funny thing, I'm actually going to be at McCormick Place. I I work in the industry for food service, um, 
and the National Restaurant Association show is actually at McCormick Place this weekend. So I'll be at the scene of the crime. Um, you also, though, I, you, you did text me that uh, you and like many other Bulls fans got a little duped when when the pick was announced at 11 because and th- this has been a problem. And I, I said this to you, I was going to drop a PSA tweet about pay attention to the card because they did this in 2021 where they revealed it as Orlando. And it's very easy to think, Oh, that's Orlando's pick. Like we jumped up, but it's actually the pick that is being conveyed to Orlando. I, I wish they make it clearer because I know it confused many Bulls fans and it confused you too. Like, when did you realize, like, oh, that's that's the Bulls pick? I think it took, like, several other reveals for, for it to finally click because, you know, being there live, I'm not – I don't get that ticker. We don't we don't see, hey, this is the pick that conveyed from such and such. Even though I can hear Malika Andrews, I think I, like, tuned her out when – I saw the Orlando Magic logo, knowing that the Bulls had a 0% chance of getting a 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th pick. I thought, oh, my God, they're in the top four. And I, it's funny because I saw that um, Big Dave and Joey Spathis and, and Matt Peck of, of CHGO, they posted a clip of them also um, feeling that same way and then having that moment of, oh, wait, no, it did it, it didn't land like we thought it did. They didn't hit the jackpot, and it was like, oh, damn. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I even turned to Josh Hicks, um, who covers the, the Bulls with me for It's the Bigs. I'm like, man, I thought we were in the top four. I should have known, like, when nobody else uh, kind of had that same sort of, of feeling um, that something something was off um, about the way I was perceiving things. <laughs> well, and it's... Like the NBA used to do it a little more seamlessly where they would have the original team on the card or they would have like ways of showing like it's this is if it conveys they would have like the team who now has the pick and then the small logo of the team that it should have belonged to or or belonged to before a trade like they had ways of showing that and now they just put little text on the card. And so when um, the deputy commissioner opened it up and showed it, you know, he, he's very quick of here's the logo and he puts it down like very fast. I've noticed that. So you got to like really pay attention. Oh, hey, there's the text below the logo. And I remember that from 2021 because I also was jumping up and down like, yes. And I'm like, no, that's that's the bull's pick. Um, did, you, did you realize it? Instantly. In the moment, right away because I, I was looking for the text. I was not looking for the logo. Okay. So okay, I, okay. I kind of had learned from 2021, like, okay, they're going to do this again. I just, I had a <laughs> feeling like they, they're, they're going to pull the same shit with Orlando. They're not going to say Chicago. They're going to say Orlando. Yeah. And I was getting ready to pay attention for that text. If I didn't see that text, I would have been like, wait, that's Orlando's pick. But do you remember, did Malika Andrews make it clear on the broadcast? She did. You remember? Okay. Yes, okay. She did. And see, like, I'm, I'm, well, they go through it so fast that she's got to like be quick, you know, like yeah. when she says it too. So like, if you're kind of caught in euphoria, you're not going to catch it. Like you're, you're going to miss. So that was me. I, I was euphoria. Yeah. And <laughs> totally understandable. Like that, that's what we've come to now. Like we had to hope for a lottery ball to bounce the bull's way. Um, and that's not a great place to be, you know? Um so I had this thought, Drew. I wanted to actually throw this past you because I feel like I'm in this parallel of Bulls fandom now. Um, and this is for, I guess, for our, our Chicago sports listeners. So the Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy era of Bears football. Like, hear me out. 2018, you have this big flare-up season. You get to the playoffs. You get bounced in the first round. And going into 2019, there's like this feeling of optimism and it just ends up being a complete thud going eight and eight, missing the playoffs 2020 they're mixing either. They make a, a big trade for Nick Foles and, and sign Robert Quinn. Cause they want to rectify it. 
They go eight and eight again. They get bounced in the wild card. And then in like 2021, they draft Justin Fields, but you, you know, like the writing's on the wall, like this team, the windows closed, like they're not going to turn this around quickly. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where the bulls are at right now. I feel like the bulls are in that same spot that the bears were in, in like 2019 going into 2020 or like 2020, 2021, like that part of bears football. And what I remember about that was feeling like it's a freaking waste of time. And I'm, I'm starting to feel that way about the Chicago Bulls right now with the current outlook, because you read people like Will Gottlieb and, and even like Casey Johnson at times. And it seems like we're going to try to convince everybody we're going to run it back. Like Sean Devaney's report from heavy.com. I'm just going to say, I don't know if I buy it hundred percent. It sounds like pure speculation. Doesn't sound like well-sourced material or well-sourced content, but that feeling of like, they're going to do their best to almost run it back. That to me screams a waste of time. And I don't know, like if that happens, man, like I feel like we're entering that same kind of parallel. Like if, if they were to run it back or what, what, I guess, let me ask this question to you. What's your definition of run it back with this team? Would it be that big three or that semblance of the, of the core? Like what, what's your definition of run it back? I think my definition would be the big three, mm. like uh, re-signing Vooch, um, without even maybe trying to make a play for a signing trade with him and just continuing to hope against hope that those three can muster a better half court offense than what we've seen or what we know it's to already be, which is bottom half of the league type of offense. Um, that's, that's my definition. That would be kind of my, my view of, um, them running it back. What What do you think? Do you have a different one? I think it would be running back the majority of the big three in some way. Like we've talked about changing the shot profile a little bit and like using DeMar as, as the big chip out. The more I've like sat on it the last month, my perspective's changing a lot where I'm, I don't know if you can continue on with two of the big three or the entire big three. Like I, I feel like the, the writing's on the wall. You know, the more that I've sat, it's that feeling of, are we really just wasting our time? Like it just spinning our wheels for nothing because by not having a pick this year, right? You, you right now are entering next year with your own draft pick in 2024. You run the risk in 2025 of losing your draft pick because I, I think it's top 10 protected with the Spurs. In, in I believe so. so. And I believe they want to hold the Spurs a second round. Yeah as well they do so mm. we're kind of in a, a position where the bulls are like next year if you don't vault to the top of the eastern conference what's the point like you you you're only assured to 100 have your pick next year right so you better put together a good season now if you have a, a really craptastic 20 25 then there's a good shot that that pick's not going to san antonio right like clearly that wouldn't happen Mm -hmm. but it would scare me if they just kind of stay ho-hum in 2024 and are in a similar position they were this year and they run the risk then of trying to do it again in 2025 with mediocre improvement like what are we doing then? like are we ever gonna kind of get out of this limbo um that's my fear. Like next year, I feel like might be your best chance to start some type of rebuild. And it doesn't even have to be, in, in my opinion, you don't have to totally tank to do it. I think you can almost suck without <laughs> having to try too hard. Like I almost feel like getting rid of, you know, trying to, if you could try to find a sign and trade for Vooch, great. 
It might not happen though. Like you, you ran that risk by not trading him at the deadline. Mm-hmm. I feel like trading DeMar DeRozan is a no brainer. I feel like trading Alex Caruso is a no brainer. The one area where you might maybe, maybe, maybe wait a little bit is with Zach Levine. And maybe you try to see if you can swing a big deal at the trade deadline or as the season progresses, because you can kind of see like, do you want to continue this young transformation with the core of Zach, Pat Williams and a re-upped Kobe White? And maybe some young pieces you might have acquired through other trades. You've recouped draft capital. And then maybe at the deadline, you say, you know what? We're not good enough. Let's continue to kind of suppress the team by trading away Zach Levine. You know, I think of it like that. And I don't want to make another Bears comparison, but I'm going to be forced to do it anyway. Think of it <laughs> like this past season um, with, with the Bears, you know, they went into it with Roquan Smith and Robert Quinn, right? And they were the two top players on defense. And you kind of saw like the Bears weren't good enough, right? They were in that area where, you know, they were at like two and four, three and five, two and five, whatever it was. And they decided, all right, you know what? We're not good enough probably to get into the postseason. But we're seeing glimmers of hope with some of our younger pieces, right? Justin Fields, some of the, the pieces on offense. We're going to go ahead and trade away Roquan Smith. We're going to go ahead and trade away Robert Quinn. And they just naturally lost games as the season went on. I wouldn't mind to see the Bulls do that. Like, you know what? If early in the season, Zach and the kids, quote unquote, play well, great. That's that's a good sign. And maybe that's enough where you might say this is a, a decent core to build around. And you know what? We won 44 games with a younger team. Great. Yeah. Fantastic. But if you get to the uh, portion of the season where you're getting closer to the deadline and you're in the play-in, then just say, you know what? Cut our losses. Let's cut our losses and now try to see, like, can we get the best possible draft pick this year in 2024? Like, try to kind of get to that level of a rebuild. But I don't know. Um, what? I, that's my my thought. Like, in if I were looking at trying, I guess roll it into next season. That's what I would like to see. Um, I think like based on our last conversation, like you're in the camp. Like if, if it were your decision, you would just decide to cut bait. Correct. Like that was like just on the whole thing. No, no. So I, I was still trying to keep Levine. I was okay. still trying to keep Levine because I think you can, you can accomplish different things simultaneously. Um, you know, you can, you know, some fans may balk at this, but you can you can put the ball back in his hands, um, see how much more development he can reach, um, while also theoretically putting a, a better team of shooters around him in place of DeMar DeRozan, who hopefully you are able to trade and, like I said, uh, just get a, a better group of guys around him. Maybe not in terms of it's not going to vault your team into like the top four of the East, but you get a team that is better equipped to play modern basketball. Um, and like you said, if they play well, great. But even if they don't, you kind of put yourself on track possibly to get um, a decent pick in the lottery next year while also holding on to who someone who I think is still an incredible asset in Zach Levine um, because he can play with virtually anybody who, you know, you might, might arrive to your roster, whether it be a, a rookie or a disgruntled vet or a disgruntled star, whoever it may be. So I think there's still value in keeping Zach Levine on this team. And that's why I think a retool is not necessarily the worst idea. I understand the notion to want to just blow everything up. I get that. Um, you outlined all the reasons very eloquently minutes ago. Um, but I still think there's value in keeping Zach and continuing, continuing to just build the roster out. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if things don't pan out, he's still an asset you can trade or he's somebody that 
a star may look at and say, okay, this can be my Robin. Yeah. And like that, I think that's where I'm kind of, maybe I'm holding on hope for holding out hope for like that scenario. Um, Because like, to me, there is benefit with, if you cut bait with Nikola Vucevic, DeMar DeRozan, and I would add Alex Caruso to that mix. I'm still at least recouping some of my draft capital, right? Like, and I'm, I'm trying to at least build for the future and I'm creating a team that is trying to target who needs to be here going forward. You know, in a way it becomes a season of evaluation. Um, And this was a term I used back in 2020 and 2021 when it was Zach, Kobe, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr. The season of evaluation. I think that's what this could be. Um, now, the only thing we don't know, and I don't want to definitively say, well, that's not going to happen based on the press conference we heard. I think Bulls fans need to start understanding like press conferences, especially with Arturis Karnaschovas, are bullshit. So don't believe it. <laughs> because what, what Arturis Karnaschovas told you basically was a plan where he was going to go way over the cap and way over the luxury tax. All right. Because everybody was coming back with the way it sounded. The only thing, though, is he kept talking about changing the profile of the team. And to me, changing the profile of the team seems to revolve around DeMar DeRozan not necessarily being a part of the picture. And call me crazy, but when Casey Johnson kind of hints to something, I feel like there's validity to it in some way, that it's a possibility. Um, And with him hinting, like, I would look at DeMar DeRozan as being the guy to get moved. I think that tells you all you need to know. Yeah, unless I know that um, Darnell Mayberry of the Athletic at DeMar DeRozan's in the season presser, you know, kind of pressed DeMar on his three-point shooting and if he thought he needed to kind of build that out more as his career goes on, especially if he's going to be on the Bulls and what that might mean um, for the Bulls as a team. And at first, I think DeMar kind of brushed it aside and um, talk about him being the player that he is and, and, you know, knowing what his strengths are. But I think he eventually kind of seemed to come around to um, the idea of trying to expand his game for the betterment of the team. Now, what that looks like, I don't really know. Um, we, you know, obviously we don't know DeMar DeRozan to be a high volume three point shooter or somebody who, who willingly takes them um, with any type of frequency, but um, you know, short of him becoming that kind of player, he is, he has to be the number one guy you look at. If, if you're trying to change the shot profile of this team, I think he accounts for um, 40 something percent of the mid range attempts that this team took last season or in the last two seasons combined. The only thing that kind of threw me for a loop was while AK did mention that, he also kept talking about what he can do for the betterment of the group. So I don't know necessarily where to land on that. And that kind of falls back into your premise of these these press conferences that he has. It's just kind of being more fluffed in substance. Yeah, it's word salad half the time. Mm-hmm. Like it's uh it's him basically trying to talk up everybody he has on the roster, which you know. I think we also have to realize like executives tend to do that because they have to create interest around these guys. Um, And the thing is like the bulls, I think have intriguing pieces to sell off. That's what is so absurd to me. Like this is a perfect situation for the bulls really to, I think make impact moves. And like I brought up Alex Caruso, but in Casey Johnson's report for NBC sports, Chicago, we talked about like, ways to get creative. He kind of shared it on the radio too this morning with Molly and Han, 670 of the score. But in that article, when he was talking about Alex Caruso, you know, this is, this is a statement that kind of shocked me. He said, given that Caruso just earned his, uh, his first honor on first team, all defense and remains on a team friendly contract. He's a safe bet to stay. Now that, that kind of shocks me because like, to me, the fact that he's on a team friendly deal and was just all team, you know, first team, all defense. This is the perfect candidate to trade away. This is you. You should sell high right now on Alex Caruso. 
Like this is your opportunity and your golden ticket to get some type of team that's a little trigger happy, is a contending team that's willing to maybe part with a first round pick that maybe has a little more of a loose protection on it. So it, to me, it's a no brainer. Like this is the type of move you make. All right. We can, you know, the other moves about, you know, Zach Levine and, and Nikola Vucevic, like put that on the back burner for a minute. This is the type of trade that to me you make is with Alex Caruso. So like that scares me when Casey is saying, well, he seems like a safe bet to stay like that, that, that's frustrating if that's true, because he should be, and I, I get what he brings to the team. Don't get me wrong. Like he leaves the, the bulls, like defense probably slips a lot, <laughs> but who mm. care? Who gives a rat's ass? Like at this point, like, okay, great. He brings me great defense, but that's a nice to have player. Okay. And I, I know there's probably guys that come to the team, you know, yes, it's a luxury. Like, the Mark Karanzoulis of the world probably would would look at me with crooked eyes. And I mean, he probably would anyway on half my Bulls takes. Uh, love you, Mark. <laughs> but this to me, this is a luxury. I don't need that right now. I need to identify actual modern NBA pieces. And I, I hate saying this, but like you need two way players. But I need to identify who is consistently a shooter and a shot creator on offense. I think I need to know that a little bit. And I honestly, I need, I need Pat Williams maybe to start morphing into that role of being a guy who is close to being an all defensive player, you know, and, and I'm, and that comes with opportunities. Like we don't know if, if he could be that, you know, we, if he's getting those minutes at, at power forward every night, be good to see. So like that yeah. to me is the type of opportunity that you'd create. You let a guy like Alex Caruso go open up more opportunities for younger players and recoup assets. It just seems logical to me, but. Yeah. I mean, in the position that they're in, <clears throat> obviously as we chat about this in this moment, they don't have any draft pick to speak of in this upcoming draft. So that's one area that, they're not going to be able to participate in. So they're left with trades and free agency. If we're to believe that the Reinsdorfs are going to keep with their tradition of not going into the luxury tax, that handicaps how much they can do in free agency. So then you only have the trade market to look at and you have to give up something to get something. The only thing I will say is that maybe they hold on to Caruso through um, the all-star break up into the trade deadline just to see which teams are doing what and who who gets desperate, you know. Um, there was talk of the Golden State Warriors showing a lot of interest in Caruso last trade deadline. Um, what team is going to give up? Maybe maybe who, who – what team is going to overpay for his services come trade deadline um, of mm-hmm. next season? So I, I can see them maybe holding on to him for right now um, just to see what may – become available in the future. That's a fair point. I, my only concern, I guess, because like we talked about that with, with Zach Levine, right? Like kind of letting it play through and you might be able to find a really, you know, intriguing contender. I mean, I, I agree with that. My only concern with Caruso, he does have an injury history and it's a lot of nagging injuries. So the only concern for me is if he does not stay healthy early in that season, then his value is going to start going down. And like right now you could probably get, I mean, I don't want to say King's ransom, but I think you could get first round draft capital. Like that was the rumor. It was two first round picks, but I don't think it it would even be that high. If it was one first round pick, like top 10 protected, I'd take it. Maybe I'm nuts. Maybe people would look at me with the Mark Karen Zula side eye, but (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's, it's the Bulls are in a position where it's one of those things where you, you hope they have a plan. It can't just be one move. There has to be a series of things that they're looking to do, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be an Alex Caruso trade in tandem with something else, in tandem with something else to produce yeah. this result. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It, I think short of a rebuild, AK did 
for what it's worth, say that everything is on the table, whatever that means, because we know that if he plans on bringing so many of these free agents back, they're already kind of capped at what they can do, um, you know, figuratively and literally speaking. Yeah, and it, I think what kind of adds a little angst to this too, um, not having that first round pick this year in a, a draft where you could get, you know, a good number of all-star caliber players or even high-end role players. It seems like this is a pretty hefty draft. Um, I think that's kind of where the angst is, is like, okay, well, you're without a pick this year. Are there ways to recoup that or at least recoup draft capital down the road? Um, you know, cause like this would have been an ideal draft to kind of add a, a significant piece, even at number 11, I think there could have been some interesting players for you. Um, there's been some talk about creativity, as we mentioned earlier, and, and Casey Johnson's been talking about it. Um, I think there's been other Bulls reports about this. Um, it, the team that everybody's looking at is the Portland Trailblazers. So the Portland Trailblazers jumped up to number three. Um, and it's kind of interesting because this kind of makes things, I think, a little different with maybe what the uh, Blazers were looking to do. Um, there was thoughts of, of being at the number five pick, uh, which fell in the Detroit Pistons lap. I, I feel bad for Pistons fans, but I, I think I think they got a good young situation with that team anyway to still look forward to. So I'm not crying too yeah. much. About it. But <laughs> no, no, they, yeah, no, definitely no. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not crying for them. Um, but... You know, originally, I think there was thought of of um, them being somewhere at, at number five, right? So, uh, but of course, they jump up to three. There's also this other draft pick they have from the New York Knicks that's going to fall at number 23, which is kind of what was um, estimated when the season was wrapping up and, and, you know, where the Knicks finished. But this might change things because, of course, the the Blazers are looking to make a splash trade that could pair something of significance with Damian Lillard. And it seems like Dame Lillard is hell-bent on getting a veteran on the roster with him. And it seems like, I, I sent the quote today, um, you know, it, there was a report where uh, the GM of the Trailblazers was quoted as saying, the third pick is significant. There's going to be some really good players at three that could be great for us or somebody else, depending how we approach this draft. So that sounds like to me, they're open for business. Um, So that kind of changes, I think the dynamic, because if they're looking to trade number three, don't think they're willing to trade 23. Um, That would be my, my guess. Now I could be wrong. They could be interested in doing business on both picks. Um, let me start with this. Do you think that they're going to deal the number three pick or are they going to be more apt to be open for business on 23? Um, in in terms of the bulls or just in general, the blazers in general, or, uh, right. So I think, um, the, the third pick, because I think that'll give you a bigger haul potentially to appease Damian Lillard and try to put a, a better roster around him in hopes of not only just keeping him loyal, but also um, potentially making him a better threat in the Western Conference. Do you Now, if they deal three, do you think that they're married – to keeping 23 or do you think that they make that deal with the bulls on protections? Cause of course the reason we're bringing this up too, and I, I failed to mention this, this goes back to that Larry marketing trade um, with that lottery protected pick with Portland. There's been talk about trying to make negotiations to unlock some of that protection and have that, you know, pick from the Knicks convey to Chicago in lieu of, you know, a situation where the Blazers are kind of like effed if they stink and down the road, that pick eventually conveys to Chicago. So, you know, this kind of opens up an interesting, I think, situation for the Bulls to get back in. So do you think if 
they deal three, would they be open to business to deal 23 of the Bulls? I think they would. I, I think that um, not that they're meaningless, but I think these draft picks aren't as valuable to the Blazers as what they can get from the draft picks, uh, from dealing the draft picks, I should say. Hmm. You, you see it in a reverse manner in terms of the third and 23rd pick. I'm trying to think what would what would the 23rd pick demand? Would that be Alex Caruso? Um, like what? That would be funny if that was like, okay, give us Alex Caruso. We'll give you the 23rd pick. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if it like in the case of loosening protection, like trying to work that deal out. I don't know if that doesn't require anything in return. Like I'd have to do more homework on it. Um, I don't know if you know how that would work. If they're basically saying, Hey, for the right to not lock up this pick, like to not have it keep conveying, you just give us this pick and that's it. Or do you have to give something up in return? I, I'm not quite sure. That I'm not sure, but I think the bulls could be in a position where they could use that as more leverage and ask for, Mm. um, maybe something with that pick Hmm. that makes sense. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what it would be or whatever combination they would come up with, but um, as desperate as the Bulls are to get more draft capital, I think the Blazers may be more desperate to be able to use that pick so it can unlock different avenues for them to improve their roster. If you're the Chicago Bulls, I mean, you're, you have to get creative and you have to get somewhat aggressive. Are there ways to get the number three pick? Because the, the, the rumors surrounding Brandon Miller today were kind of interesting to me. Like, do they have something up their sleeve? Um, and, it, you know, it could be another team maybe that they're thinking of doing business with. But Portland, um, I mean, is that what they're trying to eye? And like, I, I don't know. To me, it just seems like a little too rich for their blood because I don't know what they can give up other than more future draft capital, which I don't think they should be in the business of doing. Yeah. But see, again, I don't think the Blazers are looking for draft capital. I think they, they just, they really just want to build something championship ish worthy around, around Dame to make him uh, potentially less of a flight flight risk. And I don't even think because of the way the order failed, I don't think it would be Brandon Miller who the Bulls would target. Or rather, I don't think that would be who would be available. I think that would be Scoot Henderson because their second pick belongs to the Hornets. They already have LaMelo Ball. I don't think they would draft Scoot uh, mm. to pair in the backcourt with, with, with Melo. So I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, who – and I tweeted this earlier, I don't really see who the Blazers would really want from the Bulls for that third pick um, outside of Zach Levine. And I I don't know. I don't know. And if you trade Zach for that third pick, you're basically – You're rebuilding. You're you're trading everybody at that point, which, I mean, that's, you know, that's part of what needs to happen too. Well, and like this, this is where it gets into an interesting discussion because if that was the route you took, if you decided, hey, we're going to trade Zach for the number three pick, and I, like I don't anticipate that happening, but kind of playing, I guess, devil's advocate a little bit, or at least exploring that possibility, that hypothetical. If you did that, I think you'd be kind of risking not getting as much as you could for Zach because. Portland, I mean, what else are they going to give you? Are they going to start kicking the can and giving you future first round picks that are way, way, way down the road? Um, You know, are they going to give you 23 and three? Are they going to give you other types of like, I I don't know. I don't know how that works. And actually, just to I'm not I'm not totally in step with what Portland's situation is. So are they able to trade both of those picks this year? Or is there like any stepping restrictions? Like, can they only trade one of those picks or I don't think. I'm, I'm honestly not totally clear on that. Um, 
because I know the stepping rule, you know, restricts trading trading picks in consecutive years. Yeah. Um, so that would factor into a deal, potential deal too, because like you said, I think that would be maybe selling Zach Levine's um, value short if you were only trading for the third pick and maybe some players. Mm-hmm. And that also ties into the pick that the Blazers owe the Bulls. So I don't think be, because it's the protections are outlined the way they are, um, you know, there would have to be a deal in place where they loosen those picks, I believe, or just remove them completely um, to be able to even offer the Bulls more picks. Um, to, in, 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 you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I need to double check that though. You know, I'm, I'm kind of in the mold. Like I, this is probably just cause it, all of this is confusing to me. I think that the NBA should maybe take a chapter out of the NFL model. And instead of doing the consecutive year rule, I would just say you can't trade first round picks three years or later. Like you, you only get your next three first round picks. You can, you want to move them all, do it, but you are now restricted. You cannot move any more picks after that. Like, I think they should just put a cap on like the amount of years. Now they created this rule because of like Ted Stepien being complete nut job. If you ever want to read up on the history of what he did as Cavaliers owner, I mean, it was reckless, but I don't anticipate a lot of GMs doing that. I mean, maybe Artur Skarnaschovas would, um, but I don't know. Like it, I think it prevents like, I mean, I, I guess it's working in the NBA. Maybe I'm just a bitter Bulls fan, but I, I just have always thought it's a weird rule um, that kind of creates a lot of confusion around trying to make trades. Um, but anyway, that's that's just a, a side note. Um, but yeah, like just dealing, get, getting back to that that number three pick, and if if you move somebody like Zach, like we've heard trade proposals for Zach where you know, with like that Knicks package around the deadline of having three number one picks or three first round picks. I mean, if the Blazers can't do something like that and give you a young piece, like what's the point of doing business? Do you have to, you know, start bringing in other teams to make this a suitable package? I, I don't know. Like I, I would feel kind of gypped, even though it's the number three <laughs> overall pick. Like, and I think that's the conundrum. Like you would bring in, a young piece. Like if Scoot Henderson is a piece you have with Pat Williams, and maybe you run it back with, with Kobe because Kobe can play combo guard. I think there's like, there's still intrigue there. It, you know, it's not terrible. I mean, you hit still have a younger piece, but I would like to recoup assets too. So like you, you'd trade DeMar to get maybe a pick or two. I would say you'd move Caruso at that point, maybe get a pick. I think originally though, if we looked at doing a full scale teardown, I mean, I think this was a, a tweet. I'm trying to remember if this was Mark Karen Zulis, uh, Twitter thread. He had just, if you think about it, like trading DeMar and Zach probably could net you four to five first round draft picks, like anywhere in that range. So doing this mm. with Portland, I think, would cut that down significantly. You're looking probably at just two or three first-round picks, you know, where you could really restock the cupboard if you possibly made a deal that we heard around the trade deadline. Unless AK and Mark Eversley felt that that high or were that high on Scoot Henderson. I guess. You know? And what's What are you getting – like to match salaries, what do you have to bring back too? You probably have to bring back a player of significance from Portland. Simons, because if, if you're trading for Zach Levine, I don't think you're keeping Simons, who feels like a, and I mean this in in the in in uh, the nicest way possible, is is essentially a poor man, Zach Levine. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, and, and I mean, how? I mean, curious what Bulls fans would think of like, okay, that's your that's your return. Like I. Okay, like it's it's good. And like, again, you're getting scoot potentially or, you know, I, I brought this up to you before we started. I mean, there's kind of like discomfort in Charlotte around LaMelo ball. So it, it is possible they could pick scoot 
and try to recoup even, you know, recoup draft capital on their end with, with LaMelo. Um, but you know, who knows? I, <laughs> I don't follow Charlotte sports that closely, but I, I have seen that a lot. Like there's interesting takes on him not being, you know, healthy a lot or not readily available. And do you make the move for scoot and then, then that would put Brandon Miller in the Brandon Miller, in the bull sites. So yeah. I'm a little though worried thing. Like, I don't know how I feel about him given, the, given the whole situation that went down this year at Alabama. So yeah, a lot of variables, man. Um, yeah. But, but it seems like, uh, you know, reading some of the um, tea leaves of the, of the national media that, this is going to be a very interesting offseason um, that could be chock full of like um, big time or big name player movement. So this is right up your alley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing, like this is the time for the bulls to get, you know, into the market of maybe selling off some assets because of that. Like, I, I think this is where, you know, unless they, they have this like creative swing they want to take. Like what scares me is, you know, are they going to like just sell off pieces and try to make a splash signing like a James Harden? Like that scares me. Like I don't want to get into that kind of crap. (laughs) Although I would probably try to sell myself on it working. You got to hold me responsible. If, if that happens, (laughs) I got you. Okay. I got you. I guess it depends on what, what team is still here around James Harden, but still it's obviously we're talking about this in, in the wake of, his game seven right lack of a performance, I guess you would say. So I mean it's it's um it doesn't seem any better than whatever product they put on the court next season. Um yeah. well, we'll see. Well I'll tell you what with with coaches getting let go left and right, um I, I mean I'm trying to see like how long would Billy Donovan be able to last on the job. I think he might resign at that moment. I mean you add James Harden. I don't know if he can handle it. I don't know. I mean, he's he's gonna chew more gum. That's he, for he, sure. <laughs> go through packs of gum during games. I think he would be able to handle it. I don't know how successful he'd be. I mean, right? He's he's coached um, so many superstars, and he's somehow for the better part of his coaching career, been able to yield or field um, top 10, top 15 defenses around these, um, you know, not so defensive minded players. Mm. Uh, but again, I don't, I don't, I don't know that James Harden is the answer, especially at the dollar amount that he's potentially or allegedly seeking. Yeah. Uh, you know, I actually want to, before we get in, I want to wrap up on, on talking some NBA playoffs with you. Um, with the conference finals going on. But before I do that, I, I actually want to ask you about like this situation going on in the NBA. I brought up a lot of coaches getting let go. Mike Budenholzer, Monty Williams was a big surprise over the weekend. Now Doc Rivers getting let go. You know, um, I think for obvious reasons, he's had some some tough luck in in games that matter or elimination games. Um, you know. I think this situation of Billy Donovan getting an extension has kind of, especially in secret has really made Bulls fans very uh, upset and kind of pissed off looking at these top tier teams, letting go of their coaches, right? One of the top teams in the West two of the top teams in the East, let go of their, their coaches. Um, I don't know. Like, how do you feel about Billy Donovan right now with the Chicago Bulls? Because I think he's, I think there's a lot of blame that you, you have to throw his way, but I also feel like maybe as Bulls fans, are we projecting all of our angst around the roster construction and just throwing it Billy's way? Like, I, I know he has got to handle probably some of this, but do you think that that's part of it? Or do you think, we should be a little more critical and expecting changes at, at the head coaching position, even coming off of this season. 
I think a lot of it is projection about the roster, and it kind of makes sense because he's the one that took so many bullets about this team um, this season or even, you know, last season because the front office doesn't speak uh, very often uh, to be able to answer these questions themselves. But at the same point, he still deserves criticism, too, for some of the things he um, does, namely uh, rotation-wise. And then just his inability to get more from the offense, where you have your three of your best players, that's pretty much their strong suits, but yet you haven't really been able to um, produce on that side of the court in any, you know, productive manner on a consistent basis. So, I mean, that's that would be kind of my number one criticism. But, again, how much of that goes back to who's buying the groceries for him to use, too. So, I think my, my, my um, criticism is mostly falling on front office, maybe ownership as well, uh, more so because – of that creative offseason, like you did so much to revamp the roster and the vision that you had when everybody was healthy, like, you know, it was it was easier to see. And it, it, it showed itself, you know, it may have been lighting in a bottle because teams weren't, you know, there, there was no tape on the Bulls at that point to know what kind of team they would be and, and what this collection of guys would be together. But. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I think, you know, there was an episode of the Bulls Talk podcast with Jason Goff and Casey and, and Tony Gill where they talked about this, the secret extension that AK got. And to me, they, they took it the wrong way. They, they were talking about fans and the fan reaction to the extension and almost in, in definitely a joking matter, kind of that fans should have known better. But I think they looked at it the wrong way. I don't think fans were necessarily – I don't think the, the the majority of the anger that fans expressed or the frustration was because of the extension itself. It was because of the secrecy and the timing of the extension. Like, we don't know the contract situation, so kind of throw that out. But why was there an extension given now? Yeah, like, B- before, before the mess was kind of sorted out a little bit. Yeah, like, you know – this operating a radio silence with ex- about this, we never really heard about, um, you know, John Paxson or Gar Foreman receiving extensions when they were here either. Like we didn't really hear about that a lot. Um, and with Tom Thibodeau, they announced his extension, but he didn't sign it for a year. I don't remember that was a big controversy at the time. Um, so it's very bizarre the way the Bulls operate with these things. Like, get with the fucking times. Just can we have any sense of normalcy and lack of like we have all these forms of dysfunction with the Chicago Bulls? You know, I mean, I, I'm gonna say this: the the Devaney report about that. You know, there's half the you know there's people in the Bulls front office that don't want to, you know, re, uh, don't want to trade anybody and run it back when Lonzo's healthy. And then there's another portion that don't. I don't know if I fully buy that. I think that's all bullshit. I think that's all smoke screens. But again, it, there's part of me that's like, well, it wouldn't shock me because of the amount of dysfunction that always seems to follow the Chicago Bulls at every freaking turn. Like even just the way they handle basic shit like this. Like th- this is just send out a fucking press release. If you don't want to do a press conference, that's simple. Like what's so hard about that? And why, why don't you want to tell anybody? It's because you're cowards. You don't want to face backlash. That's all it comes down to. Like, I think with, with Donovan, they didn't want to make it look like we just gave him an extension after his second season on the job. I think that's all it was. Like you could get blowback and be like, well, wait a minute. You, you signed him to a five-year deal. Why are you giving him an extension? Right. Like there, it's kind of odd. And now with AK and, and Eversley, it's same deal. Like coming out of these kind of like seasons, do they warn extensions yet? No. So it's just, it's all bizarre. And, you know, with, 
Michael and Jerry, there's always just stupidity with, I think, the most simple things. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, how about on a, on a good note here, uh, Drew? Let's let's talk about, before we wrap up, the, uh, the NBA playoffs right now. Because it's been a lot of fun. A lot of drama. Um, a little more uncertainty than we've seen in other postseasons. Actually, I really feel like the last few years we've had some a little more parity with yeah. the matchups in the Eastern and Western conferences, which is nice. Um, it hasn't been completely chalk all the time. So right now, of course, in the West, Nuggets, Lakers, in the East, Jimmy Butler versus, I'm sorry, the Heat versus Boston <laughs> Celtics. Because uh, that's all Bulls fans care about. You know, Jimmy Butler <laughs> is in the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, how are you feeling about these these matchups? Is there are you leaning in certain directions for in the West and in the East? So I'm I'm not I'm interested in the West, but I'm more so as a Jimmy Butler yeah of course fan and, and proud member of the fan club. I, I'm, I'm more interested in what's going on um, in the Eastern Conference between Miami and 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 Boston. Um, but I think Boston has been the best team in the league this season. Um, their depth, their defense, um, you know, they have dynamite wing players and knockdown shooters. They just don't seem to come to play all the time, which is um, kind of weird. And maybe that's owed to the change in the coaching staff and how Ime Adoka seemed to get those guys revved up to play. Um, on a more regular basis than Joe Mazzula has. But although my heart wants Jimmy Butler to lead the Heat back to the final so I can stop listening to some of my friends who are telling me that the bubble was fake, um, I think the Celtics are going to pull that one out. And then the Western Conference, obviously there's already been a game played and, and Denver was able to, to pull it out over the Lakers who made a late run. Um, I think it's going to be the the, the the Nuggets and the Celtics, kind of the two best teams we've seen this season. Yeah, I'm in with the, you. In the final. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, I think the stars are aligning for Denver, finally. Like, it, it's kind of been a, I feel like a tough go for them, but I think it's finally lining up for them to get out of the Western Conference. Um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. Like, the, the Lakers' path has been kind of, um, interesting here, and, and you got to give credit where it's due to LeBron and those veterans on the roster. Like, I think they did everything they they could, and you know they they even kind of charged back last night in Game One against the Nuggets. But I, I just think I think this is the Nuggets' time to finally get over the hump in the West. And same with you. Like, I think Boston's the better team. I will say this: they got to be careful though, because you know. Miami's a well-coached team. It's now documented. And look, I, I even said like Jimmy Butler is, I think now it, you got to call him what he is. He's a superstar. And I've always been reluctant to say that. I've always said he's an all-star, more of a Robin. You got to give him credit where it's due. Cause he takes it up another level. Like we talk about players that take, like can bring it up another gear, right? He's clearly done that plenty of times and like i i was one of those people kind of skeptical of bubble season but i mean you gotta you gotta call it like you see it and this postseason i think has shown you even somebody like me he's that guy now i do think like this team is playing above the sum of their parts and i think that's because of eric spolstra and jimmy together so you got to be careful if you're Boston and you let go of the rope. I think Jimmy and that team are going to get you. So um, they got to be careful, but I do think Boston has the talent to pull it out. And they, to me are, are the best team on paper. So. I'm with you. I'm with Let's you. See. I think um, Jimmy and Spo would get you two, three games by themselves, so to speak. Right. And then, you know, maybe you get a, a dynamite performance from Max Struess or Gabe Vincent or Kyle Lowry, you know, yeah. turns back to yet again. Um, well, I would love for it to go seven, get another yeah. seven game in the conference finals. I think it at the very least is going six. 
I think at the very least it's going six games. It's probably going to be six really tough games. Yeah. But um, yeah. would not be shocked if it goes seven at all. But I, I think I don't think we're getting a sweep or a gentleman sweep. I think it's at the very least going six games because how far, how far do you think the Nuggets Lakers series is going to go? Mm, that's a good one. <laughs> I think like LeBron James alone could probably turn it into a six, seven game series, but I think it goes six. I, and that's not me trying to beat around it. I think it goes six, but would I be shocked at a gentleman's sweep? No, not at all. I don't think, I don't think it, it's ripe for a sweep from Denver, but um, I think the Lakers will steal a game or two. Yeah. I think the, I think the Lakers get at least, get a, you know at least two games i mean the suns with you know astronomical performances from devin booker and kevin durant were able to take them to what that series go six games mm-hmm. yeah so i think the lakers go at least they take them to at least six yeah i mean we'll see i'm i'm you know excited to to watch the conference finals and um you know watch Watch what the haves do since we're part of the fan base of have nots with the Chicago Bulls. So, um, you know, it's always fun to watch other teams do, do well and watch successful rebuilds and roster construction happen. It's great. Love it. Um, I'm jealous and bitter. I'm a terrible fan, I guess. Um, any, uh, any final thoughts as we wrap up here, uh, you know, either, Bulls, draft lottery, NBA. Go Jimmy Butler. <laughs> Man, I, you know, I got I to gotta hand it. Like, you, you're part of the fan club. Man, Salim Surtawala, he's going to let you know he's part of the fan club. Shout out to my guy there from Bulls Gold. I mean, that guy yeah. lives and breathes Jimmy Butler. You know, <laughs> I, and he's, he's always been banging the drum. You know, I've I've been in that that camp. Like, I think when the the trade happened, I just, I'm gonna just say this last last thing I'm gonna say as part of this podcast. Um, when that trade went down with the Bulls, part of me knew it had to happen because the Chicago Bulls brain trust was not creative enough to put together a situation that could make it salvageable with just Jimmy. Like, they had a path. I think that summer before and they opted to do the, you know, crappy big three with uh, Dwayne Wade and, and Rajon Rondo. And I honestly think like they should have started their youth movement in 2016. Like that was the path. And I think they kind of put themselves in a, in a hole. And at that point they had, I think lost touch in terms of scouting. They lost touch in terms of how to make and maneuver trades to work with a player like Jimmy. So I was kind of in favor of it because I feel I felt like the Bulls just needed blind luck by going into the tank. But I mean, clearly, I feel like we're it's like this never ending cycle, like even this front office, it's like I'm getting just a repeat of a Garpax. I hope they prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, AK. Prove me wrong, Mark Eversley. You were creative a couple summers ago. Prove me wrong. Prove me and the rest of the Bulls fan base wrong. That's that's the mantra right there. That's the mantra wrong. right there. You you you, you know you what? Pulled around the hat before. Show me again. You, you can do it. Ball. You know, honestly, like Bulls fans, you, I think this summer you should sit with a stoic face and just say, "Show me." Show me. I'll give you a chance. Show me. Show me what you can do this summer. I'll I'll give you one summer to show me that you can be creative enough to spin this into some better situation, rebuild, whatever. Show me. Show me what you can do. Yeah. So I'm with you. Well, you can, of course. For more episodes, follow the Rebuildable Podcast at Rebuild underscore A underscore Bull. If you want to follow uh, Drew and I's thoughts, you can follow me at mgentil 88 You can follow Drew at Look What Drew Did. Probably one of the best ways, if you want to get the latest episodes of the Rebuildable Podcast, Twitter's awesome, but I would subscribe. Hint, hint. 
we're we're available on all the major streaming services: Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher. Anywhere where you stream your podcast, you'll find the Rebuildable Podcast. So liking, subscribing, that always helps. And you'll get the latest episodes when they drop. We'll be back on a more consistent rotation. It, it might not be the more weekly cadence you had during the season, but we'll be back with some episodes here along the way as we enter into some off-season talk. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll have draft talk. You never know. Maybe they find their way into the drafts or there's rumblings about that. We'll we'll see. It's going to be an interesting offseason, Bulls Nation. And let's see. Will they be creative? I hope so. I really do. With Thanks. Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile. And we'll catch you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.